Hey everybody, uh, it is, we're recording on March 2nd, Monday, and uh, Nick, I don't know, it feels like the sky is falling in so many different directions, it's hard to keep track. A chaotic Monday before Super Tuesday, where uh, a lot of the primary picture is going to come into focus. Quick programming note, we are planning on having special uh, Super Tuesday coverage, but before we get there, our regular broadcast, a uh, lot of stuff going on, Nick. It's hard to hear you over the uh, mask I'm wearing and the fact that I'm washing my hands constantly right now. (laughs) I have to tell you, watching people in public spaces right now wash their hands because of the coronavirus, it kind of shows me what we're capable of doing. You know, like if, if, you know, as an NBA analyst, I think every now and then you can see the potential for a player to take the leap. And I can tell you right now that Americans' ability to wash their hands has been underutilized, and we're quite good at it when there's something on the line. Oh, yeah. I, I spend a lot every, – every season I would spend with my teams is teaching them how to wash your hands and then not touch the knob on the way out using the, you know, the, the uh, paper towel and then using your foot to keep the door open. I mean, really important. Again, this is like the upward march of humanity we're talking about. And that is why you are the best in the business. My man, Nick Halselman, my co-host here on the Muckrake Political Podcast. I'm J.J. Sexton. Uh, We have a lot to get to and uh, not a lot of time to do it. First things first, uh, development within the Democratic primary. Um, After Joe Biden wins South Carolina convincingly, which everybody knew was going to happen, it was not surprising. It it, it was not, um, you know, it wasn't that shocking of a development. But immediately, the Democratic establishment uh, consolidated power and support as uh, Pete Buttigieg, uh, who last I checked was third in the delegate count, actually won the Iowa caucuses and has had a decent showing uh, in the other contests, stood to possibly get some delegates on Super Tuesday, uh, dropped out. And then today, Amy Klobuchar, who was going to probably win Minnesota, dropped out. And then they all promptly um, endorsed Joe Biden, which going into Super Tuesday, I mean, the timing is peculiar and obvious. And I'm going to get into a little bit about the process behind all of this stuff and how something like this happens. It seems mind blowing that it all happens like it does. I'll get a little bit into the inside baseball. But Nick, what, what's your uh, what's your what's your initial reaction to all of this? Well, you know, putting in that context, it sounds like there was a lot of like arm wringing where they kind of forced them to back down, which is interesting to me that the Democratic National Committee, I suppose that's who's in charge, has that kind kind of power where they can once and for all when they see what's going on tell someone to do that because we know someone like Bernie would never do that and he would never he didn't he barely did it in 2016 barely even endorsed Hillary after she got the delegates uh in the you know at the convention so um that's interesting to me that they had that kind of power and that they would be willing to that you know like you said Buttigieg would have gotten stupid delegates he's in the race uh, closer than certainly Klobuchar so I'm happy that they're out because we need to start consolidating because this is what allowed, I think, Trump to get the nomination. The longer these other people stayed in, the longer they diluted the, the voting base, the more Trump was able to win, you know, but his 35 percent, his 38 percent of those uh, primaries. And that's what put him in position to win the whole the, the candidacy for the Republicans. Yeah. And let, let's be careful on, on one hand, which is um, I, I, I would argue and, and obviously the, the big factor behind all of this is Bernie Sanders. We haven't said his name yet, but that's what's happening here is it's the Democratic Party. um, You know, let's use the parlance of the time. We're fighting coronavirus. It is like the Democratic Party senses an outside threat 
and is starting to coalesce around attacking the quote-unquote virus, right? The idea that it's it's under attack from an outside influence, and now it's going to close ranks, and it's going to, to fight that. So I, I, I think it's we need to be careful that we're not going one-for-one one between Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump. No matter how you feel about Bernie Sanders, I don't think he is an authoritarian despot in waiting, but that's a different thing altogether. Oh, right. um, Can I yeah. shout something really loudly, though? Oh, boy. Bernie Sanders is not a Democrat. Wow. Wow. He's not. Yeah, he's know, not in the Democratic and you know, Party. And, and, you know, saying it out loud uh, doesn't make it, you know, less true. It's true. I mean, and, and that is one of the things. Like, Bernie has staked his entire political life on being an independent and establishing himself as an independent. If there was a Democratic Socialist Party in this country that was viable, and had electoral chances, he would he would be a democratic socialist. That would be the the party. So yes, it has not been great for his chances in the Democratic primary to not necessarily be a Democrat. So yeah, you're absolutely right. But in this case, um, this was what 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 you would refer to as do the math time, is is what ended up happening here, and why all of this stuff happened all at once. So when you have something like the Democratic Party, let's take t- Pete Buttigieg for instance, who outperformed all expectations of what he was going to do in the in the 2020 uh, Democratic primary. Uh, nobody expected that he would win uh, a primary or a caucus. Nobody expected that he would really have a showing. I mean, what he did in Iowa, there were a bunch of different factors there that led to it, but nobody really could have predicted this thing when he first got in. Um, that's he, He's playing with house money right now is what's happened because he, he has delegates, he has a base, he has gained power within the party. And we always talk about these things as win and lo- winners and losers and who won this and who won the nomination and who lost it. Pete Buttigieg won for his political future. And this is one of those situations where Pete Buttigieg did the math and realized that he was not going to be the president. It was not going to happen. The financial support wasn't there. The polls weren't there. But I'll tell you what is there. And that is the possibility of, I don't know, running for the Senate in Indiana at some point. And, and if you are somebody running, if you're a Democrat running for the Senate from uh, Indiana, um, you don't usually get a lot of resources because they don't usually think that you can win, even though you're an attractive candidate or a competent candidate who's shown themselves as being possible. Well, that's one of those situations where it's like, hey, Pete, do us a favor coalesce around the the ensconced democrat throw your weight behind him and you know we're looking at something like that or you have the other phone call which is you know what role i think would really suit you it would be the secretary of veteran affairs and and by the or i mean if you really want to get crazy and you really want to put on the charm and you really want to talk about these things secretary of defense and and that's not to say that these things were offered. I, I don't know. All I know from the Democrats that I've talked to is that the phone lines have been melting down. And the other thing that happens with all of this, and this is the thing that they don't talk about on the news and they absolutely should. When these candidates endorse other candidates, it's not just going on stage and saying that. They hand over the apparatus. They're, like the Biden team, and, and people don't, they're not talking about this. Biden's campaign has been awful and and back when i was in iowa i was talking to the campaign they told me left and right they were like this thing is a disaster and he was really unhappy with how it was run out there it was a really bad machine well bring in some other machines 
bring in some other apparatus. And so you get some of their people and you get their fundraising emails and you get their communications. And then, by the way, like we're looking at like Mike Bloomberg, who knows what's going to happen with him. Mike Bloomberg has one of the most well-paid, talented staffs in the entire country. And if he gets behind Biden, all of a sudden you bring them in and you revolutionize the staff and the focus and all that. So what has happened here is behind the scenes wrangling deal making and again it's telling someone like a klobuchar i mean klobuchar has a future klobuchar won klobuchar showed that she has more potential than i think anybody thought she had before this thing started so it's all about playing with house money and and raising your stakes and so that's how we end up with biden getting these two key endorsements on the monday before super tuesday is the implication there that if if uh let's just say Buttigieg won won south carolina is he in this position and everyone else is dropping out no It would not have been that thing, because one of the reasons this is happening in the first place is because Joe Biden is the establishment pick of the Democratic Party. He is a former vice president, and he was the presumptive frontrunner before any of this happened. And which is kind of the, the, the not maddening thing, but I mean, he underperformed. I mean, in Iowa, it was disastrous and everybody knew it. And he comes back in South Carolina and he wins a race that everybody knew that he was going to win anyway. But the narrative churns up yeah. because the media, the media and, and the people who talk about politics and the pundits and the analysts, they were waiting for a challenger to Bernie Sanders because it, it's the idea of the establishment lane or the establishment of the Democratic Party fighting off an outsider or the insurgency, which we've talked about. It's every four years. That's what happens in the Democratic Party. More times than not the establishment wins occasionally an insurgent wins the battle but in this case they 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 cracked the whip for lack of a better phrase they said we're getting in line we're making these deals and we're making this happen well here's what i want to say about joe biden for him for him to come back like he has and from virtual death this is like the fiery phoenix coming back from you know obscurity That is impressive, and it's sort of the idea behind this whole process. However flawed it is and however ridiculous and how much it should be changed, there is something about it that, man, if you can get to this position here and make it through that, and I'm not just saying that the, uh, the, the election part of this, he made it through the impeachment process, which is also an impeachment on him. Right. This was Donald Trump being able to impeach Joe Biden by screaming his name to the rafters with his son and and corruption and all those different things. And it seemed like it had worked. We had at least two podcasts where we discussed that. Wow, that really worked, even though he didn't get impeached. And he now has overcome that. No one is talking about that. I don't think anyone will anymore because it brings up impeachment again. And I don't think Trump wants that. I think we're going to be talking about Ukraine very shortly. Okay. I think that, yeah, I think that, matter of fact, I'm going to put my phone over here and, you know, just get ready for it to happen. If he perform, and and I'm a little shocked that Trump didn't get into it already, but it's the coronavirus pandemic that has kept him from doing it. Um, If that gets worse or if he's looking for something or if Biden picks up speed, we're going to, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about Ukraine. And here's the really frightening thing about it. It's, it is a lot like the emails. You have one person who has a ton of scandals and a ton of problems, and you have one person who has one problem. And the media will tell both stories right. constantly. And uh, that, that is a worrisome thing. Trump just tweeted eight minutes ago, quote, oh, they are staging no. a coup against Bernie, exclamation point. 
So he's beginning. Oh. It sounds like that's what he's going to try and do the wedge first. Is like Bernie's getting screwed. It's rigged. It's all that stuff, which is what he's already laid the groundwork for. But don't you have a pandemic to take care of? Get oh. off your phone. Well, meanwhile, he's being you know hailed as the first black president. That's what he's doing while the, this whole thing is going on too. Um, and that that the the image of them all praying over him uh, is all these people. It, it just is. Um, it's it, it just I don't understand. I, it, it does it. It starts to violate religion, separation of religion and state, uh, or church and state, um, right? I, I don't know what well, that is. You know what? Let's well, not get into I, that. When you have when you have a living Messiah in office, it tends to break down the wall between church and state. So I mean that, okay. that that's what's happening here. Fair. When you have the leader of a national neo Confederate cult in office, it tends to. But just just shut up about the Democrats. And obviously he won't because I mean. He's nothing if not just a, an angry old dude watching Fox News and yelling at the news. I mean, that's right. all he is. But, but yeah, I, I, about Biden, I think, you're, I think you're right in the fact that he was able to come back from Iowa. And, again, his machine in Iowa was so bad. It was so, so bad. And I told you, I saw I, – I was, I was from him, him to the wall, like away from him at, at his rally. He looked bad. He sounded bad. His body language was bad. The optics were bad. This is one of those cases where they knew they had South Carolina in their pocket. Right. They knew that this was coming. And all he he's a he's a really good candidate when things are running well, because I don't know if you got to see him, if, if you stayed up and watched it, his speech after he won South Carolina was the best speech that he's given in a long time. And it's it's it, it is because Joe Biden, if you want to talk about the actual presentation of Joe Biden, he is best when he's a little bit cocky. He's got a little bit of a sparkle in his eye, and he's a little mischievous because he's feeling good, and he's got the wind in his sails. He's a great candidate when that happens. The other problem is he occasionally gets off script. Right. He occasionally will, um, you know, fight the wrong battles. Um, but his debate performances have looked better. So I, I think as we got closer and closer to South Carolina, which is all his staff wanted to talk about, eventually that the wind started coming in the sails and made him a better candidate. But the, now the question is, and, and, and talking about Super Tuesday and, and doing our little preview for it, Bernie's going to win a lot of delegates. He's going to win a lot of delegates on Super Tuesday. I don't know how it's going to all shake out, but I mean, when when California's done, he is going to walk into the Sunshine State. And is it the Sunshine State? Is that correct? No, that's Florida. That, that's Florida. Look at this political analyst here. Can't even tell you what the states are nicknamed. The Golden State. There you so go. he's, he's going to walk into the Golden State as, as, as like Caesar. I mean, he's going to take that. And then the question is whether or not Biden... It's whether or not Biden can keep pace. And right now it doesn't look like he's going to keep pace. And then the question becomes, what does this race turn into, right? Is it Does it turn into a long trench warfare where they're starving each other out and we're trying to get to um, a brokered convention? Or is the math there where all of that support can come and consolidate? And I have a third thing that we need to talk about. What about Elizabeth Warren? What in the hell has happened here? And and how did the media and the Democratic establishment manage to completely lump her in with Bernie Sanders and as a result silence her? It, it's a really bizarre thing. And you're going to have a party that's going to tear itself apart on national television and on the national stage. And the the fact that they, they allowed this to happen and that it, it went down this road is both predictable but also just maddening. 
Well, Warren has. You won't be surprised if Warren follows suit before Tuesday, before tomorrow, will you? No, she will be there tomorrow. Okay. That's interesting to me because she's in a worse position than Buttigieg in theory, based on the on the results, right? And yet he I, easily capitulated and she won't. And that's confusing to me because I feel like she's as much of a soldier in the Democratic Party as, as Pete is. If there is a alternate reality machine out there and the alternate a, – a simulator, right, that shows how this reality works out, a hundred times – if you ran this scenario, there are still like three to ten scenarios where Elizabeth Warren ends up with a Democratic nomination. And it just depends. It depends on how everything runs and how everything moves. She is the most dark horse candidate there is right now, uh, particularly among the top three. And the top three in the Democratic race right now are Bernie, Biden, and Warren. And I'll tell you what, there's a chance that she gets it and there's a chance that she catches fire. But if she doesn't get some sort of a look from the Democratic establishment and she doesn't get a look from the media, it's not going to happen. But she's she's their dream unifier. And they they have just completely erased her, which is um, just really shocking. Right. Uh, you know, I'm on 538 right now. I know that you know, there's possible controversy about whether we want to trust their numbers, but you got to use something here. And as you're scrolling through on this whole the Super Tuesday general notion of like who's going to win, you're right. There's going to be a lot of uh, Bernie wins for him in the uh, in each state, and then but there's a lot of Biden. And on the left here, it does say the average forecast of pledged delegates has Biden 100 and a half, and then Bloomberg and Sanders kind of tied uh, below that. That's interesting to me because we really haven't mentioned Bloomberg that much at all, and what's going to happen with him in this race. He has signaled though that he will support whoever wins that nomination with that with the, his money, right? So he's been pretty magnanimous, at least about that. I mean, I, have you even heard him be combative about, oh, we're taking this all the way to the convention and have the contested, you know, convention? We haven't heard him talking those words, have we? I haven't heard him say that, and I'll tell you what, I know that. Mike Bloomberg is paying a lot of talented people a lot of money that they shouldn't be paid for work that they shouldn't be doing. I don't <laughs> think even he is so delusional that he really thinks this thing is going to work out or that he's going to end up somehow or another. Like, I, I, I just want to paint this. Like, let's go down that logical highway, right? Let's say that somehow or another we end up at the Democratic Convention this summer in Milwaukee and Bernie Sanders, who hangs his hat on destroying the wealthy and the powerful uh you know that that's his entire movement gets the nomination taken away by mike bloomberg i just want people to imagine like what that looks like it's well, not like yeah well, that doesn't work out let me just interrupt this i misread this by the way the 530 is a little bit confusing so i i was looking at like a specific state and not overall it, it looked like it was overall so anyway forgive me for saying that it's going to be it's going to be a lot. And by the way, with these announcements today with Buttigieg and Klobuchar, we really don't know now. We don't have a clue. Yeah. So I shouldn't even have those predictions. But yes. But a lot of voting has already been launched. Yes. Like there's me. been a ton. Well, like you, there's been a ton of early voting. So here's what's going to happen tomorrow. This is my best guess. And I've said this before that uh, predictive politics is just pretty useless. But I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway because it's, you know, our podcast. Um I, I think I think we're going to walk out of this thing with Bernie and Biden uh, fighting for the nominations, the top two guys. I think the big story coming out of Super Tuesday is going to be, can people catch Bernie? And the other part about it, 
I, I listen. I don't know what our audience demographic is politically. I don't know who they're pulling for. And quite frankly, I, I, I don't think it should matter. I think we should all be sitting here talking about things and, and, and coming together in like a shared space. But I will tell you this. For anybody out there who doesn't support Bernie Sanders, I want you to think for a second about Bernie Sanders supporters. What does it look like that on the day before Super Tuesday, Klobuchar and Buttigieg dropped out and endorsed Biden? Do you think that Bernie Sanders supporters, and they are large, like we're talking about an actual movement of people that, that, that are voting in Democratic primaries and caucuses. How do you think they feel about that? I mean, it just goes and shows them that all of the concerns they have about the Democratic Party and what it's doing and how it feels about them and Bernie Sanders is true. So there is a major logistical and also philosophical problem here, which is, first of all, how do you beat Bernie Sanders if you're the Democratic establishment? The second thing is, how do you, if you do beat them and you do catch them, how do you fix that? Do you know what I mean? Like, how do you, how do you repair that relationship? And if you don't, how do you then bring it together a coalition? Because, I mean, this is like this is like 10 till midnight politicking. This is a lot of stuff. Well, we got we got two things going on here. I would like to tell you that, oh, look in 2016. Look at that. Look how well that worked after Bernie, you know, capitulated to Hillary. Like, of course, that the opposite happened. Now, does Bernie learn his lesson from that and then finally properly get behind whoever that candidate is? If it's not him, that's the other question, because, again, he might, but he's pretty consistent of a guy. He he's not doesn't change. So I don't know if he's going to be able to facilitate a smooth transition to whoever the Democrats do nominate if it's not him. Um, and I and I do think you know we've talked about McGovern as sort of this you know model why the Democrats are, are wringing their hands so much about Bernie and so afraid because Bernie's going to lose just like McGovern did. This actually could be more like Adelaide Stevenson too. And I need to kind of get my head on there. We're talking about in the fifties against Ike, which is a whole. We're other going city. back. What's that? Yeah, we're going back here. Yeah. on the Muckrake podcast, the nineteen yes. fifties. But at the very least, what we're looking at here is there is a history of this where we're like we can't afford. To send out the guy that's just going to get slaughtered again, like that's this is the, you know why there's so much hand wringing about Bernie. Because again, I think most Democrats would say, yeah, Bernie's policies, most of them are fine. You know, we, we can we can get along with that to most degree. You know, certainly some of the economic stuff is probably going to rub people the wrong way, but. Um, but we know that because he has painted himself the way he has, it's just going to be so much fodder for Trump. It's probably going to be better than the emails that were, were for Hillary. <sighs> So there's only one way that a candidate like Bernie Sanders in a two-party election goes out and gets blown out nowadays because the electorate works this way. It's going to be a pretty even split no matter who the candidate is. That's where we're at. But there's only one way that that happens, and that's if a candidate wins the nomination of the party and the party decides to punt the ball and go the next election that they don't want to give the party over to another candidate and their movement, and they don't want to move in the direction that that candidate wants them. And that's the way you get to a point where now in the modern times you can have blowouts. So you're saying that they, they pay like lip service to him and the whole thing, but they're never really going to get so behind him that they can help him actually win. Party machinery works like this. You have the person at the top of the ticket who goes out and gives the message and sale, you know, sells all that stuff. But one of the things, and I wish... I wish more people paid attention to this. The reason that the Biden win was baked into the pie in South Carolina 
there were numerous reasons. One is South Carolina's relationship with Barack Obama and how he transferred that over to Joe Biden. The other thing is that Joe Biden was in South Carolina a lot. That helped out. The big thing was Clyburn. Clyburn is a kingmaker in South Carolina. And when he endorsed Biden, which is not what he usually does, he's usually very quiet about his endorsements. When he endorsed Biden, all of a sudden you have a person who goes out, speaks on your behalf, and then transfers authority and, and gets people behind you. That's how a presidency works. You have a bunch of people in every state. You have all the organization and the party machinery that goes top down. And, you know, they'll come in and they'll do their rallies or whatever, but all the organization, all the door knocking, all the phone calls, all of that starts from the bottom down. That doesn't mean that his surrogates aren't going to do it. It means that the democratic machinery, instead of going at 100%, might go at 90%. You know what I mean? Like that 10% yeah. makes a big, we learned that with Trump. It yeah. makes a huge difference. Like, you know, the, these votes, I mean, Trump got elected by what? Uh, tens of thousands of votes. Right. Yeah. And, and so what ends up happening is, and, and this is a very, very pessimistic type of politics, but that's what we're seeing today. It is obvious why Buttigieg and Klobuchar got out and endorsed Biden because it's about super Tuesday and it's about the democratic party, like consolidating behind Biden. That's what happened today. Yes, that's going to piss off a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters, and it's going to lead to a little bit more paranoia and hard feelings, but they're making the bet that it'll work out in the long run. The way, it, whether or not it works out the other way, if the situation goes the other way, we don't know. We have no clue. Right. But I will say really quickly, I, just one last point. I was at the 2016 Democratic Convention, and I was outside, and one of the reasons why I was really skeptical about whether or not the Democratic Party could heal its wounds is because there were riots outside. The Bernie Sanders coalition, that movement that he started, felt like they had the election stolen from them for a lot of different reasons, right? I mean, everything from the DNC hack to, to the way that Bernie was treated in the media and by the, the higher ups. That was a really dangerous situation. I don't think people realize it because the cameras didn't come out. Like people like me weren't actually allowed to report on it. It was bad. If that happens again, you know what I'm talking about? If that happens again for the second time in eight years, and if it happens in a brokered convention situation, we could possibly be looking at a 1968 Democratic convention situation. Because this whole thing is very volatile. And I don't think people understand how pissed off people are. Because it's, it's, there's a lot of moving parts. You don't just put in a candidate and you go. Like, there's a lot of stuff that's, that's moving and, and, and transient here. Uh, I agree. I agree. And I feel like um, the, the result is if Bernie doesn't get it. And by the way, if you go through all the, the um, how this whole process works with de delegates and superdelegates, it, 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 if you didn't really focus and study all the rules, it would feel like it's being stolen from you. And you might not like the rules and you might not like how they're done. This is like me when I'm at, at the argued travel calls on Twitter on the other side with the basketball people. It's like you might not like the rule, but like you're, they're following the rules. And there are certain things like superdelegates are not like legally bound to pick, you know, whoever they, the, the, the most of the constituents voted for. You know, they, they have leeway here. And it's if, unfortunately that's how you feel, and you're upset about it. You know, it's just how the rules are. So I can, I, but I, so I can understand to some degree why Bernie's supporters would get really upset and think it's get upset, but they can't really argue that it's being stolen from them. However, let's just say the end result is that Bernie does not get the nomination, and it kind of looks like that's what we're moving towards. They. They don't vote in the general, right? They'll just gonna, they're just going to stay home, I think. Is that sort of the, 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 the answer there? I don't know. I really don't know, and I don't think anybody knows. Real fast, I, I want to bring up a point, uh, uh, a story that I think has gotten lost in history. 
I really think it's just kind of gotten lost in history. And it was a really important, quiet thing that happened. And that was the night that Hillary Clinton won the nomination of the Democratic Party. It wasn't because of a primary. It wasn't because of a caucus. I don't know if you remember this. It was like a random Saturday night that NBC News, I believe, tracked down all these superdelegates and started counting up superdelegates. And they were like, just to let everyone know, Hillary Clinton has crossed the threshold of delegates based on superdelegate commitments to be the nominee. And Bernie, I think, if I'm not mistaken, had just like placed really well in, in, a, in a primary or won a primary that, that uh, he wasn't you know, expected to win or pl- place well in. And I think he was out there giving a speech about how they were gaining momentum. And Hillary Clinton took that moment and went out and announced that she was the nominee and it was time to come together and all this stuff. And it just happened on like a random Saturday when there wasn't a primary or anything. So I, I what's been forgotten is that that's about math and prognostication and that's that's backroom dealing in a lot of different ways so when it just when you just turn on the tv or you check social media and it's like hillary clinton won and you're like what vote was today maybe i missed that thing it feels awful right and and that's the other thing the perception is there people aren't just diehard democrats they're looking for like an organization to believe in that expresses their beliefs it's not like it's not like in sports where it's like yeah go cubs i don't care who's on the team like people are looking for something to latch on to this thing i it's very volatile very very volatile yeah I, I agree. I, I think it's and it's going to be you know a problem. And I, it, the only hope we can have is that again, I don't want to talk as if Bernie isn't going to win it because he certainly can. Uh, he, you know, uh, he, if he gets enough delegates, he's going to get the nomination. Like they can't really take that away from him at that point. And he didn't. You know, let's not forget Hillary did simply. It was the math. She did have a lot more delegates than he had ultimately. He was surprising what he did. Great for him, but it, he didn't have it. She did. Um, this one, though, it seems like, you know, he's going to have a lot hard, a lot tougher of an argument for himself. And I, I, I want to throw this out there because I thought you made a good point a while ago, which is that Bernie Sanders is nothing if not consistent. Right. I mean, that, that's his whole calling card. That's that's why he's had the success that he has. I want people to put themselves in the shoes of like a Bernie Sanders. And, and let's get this clear. By almost all standards, Bernie Sanders is is a radical he wants to change the system that america works by and always has he's always been on the side of of insurgents who are trying to topple you know a capitalistic patriarchal order and that's something he's dedicated his life to he's built a massive movement millions of people in this country believe in him and are dedicated to him and they're more fervent about him than i would argue anybody is fervent about their candidate right now besides maybe trump I want people to think about the fact that he has gotten closer to the presidency than he probably ever thought that he possibly could in his life. He's had now, you know, what, six years of building a movement and getting all this support. I don't know if he could look at something like the Democratic Party, even in the face of Donald Trump. And, and, you know, he's all about decrying like these backroom deals and the powers that be. I don't know that he doesn't come out and is just decries the whole thing. I mean, this kind of stuff, it doesn't change a person, but it sort of brings out parts of their personality that, that, that are still consistent, but maybe they're larger and they move in ways you might not expect. I mean, I mean, this stuff, like, I think a lot of people are getting very excited about the idea of, like, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden or whatever, but th- there are so many moving parts here, and they could be really, uh, really 
problematic in a lot of different ways. I, I agree. And, you know, for a minute there, I actually kind of like, I can picture this notion, okay, Bernie learns and is able to sort of uh, more magnanimously, you know, endorse whoever gets it and then gets, he rallies everybody behind him because that's exciting. If he can rally every one of his followers behind Biden, let's say, then, then, then I would feel really good about the election come November. But uh, yeah, I, I, he might he could be that same guy who just sort of pays the lip service. He took too long to do it last time in 2016 anyway, uh, and, and, and it fomented all sorts of confusion. So the only problem we have here, again, is because it happened already once, you know, he's that feeling for Bernie bros. And uh, that, that they're already I have a raw nerve. We can see it now on Twitter. We see the way they behave, the, the, the attitude. So they're already rubbed so raw as it is that it would, it would probably set them off to no end, even if, he doesn't, even if he loses it fairly and squarely, and it's clear he loses the domination. Uh, it's, it's a problem. Uh, and, we, and it's always been unclear to me when you interact with a lot of these people uh, where they land. Are, are they Democrats? Are they Republicans? You know what I mean? You could have people who... who Vote for Trump, uh, who, who did, if Bernie doesn't get the nomination. You just did something really important there. You said, are they Democrats or are they Republicans? Now, they're not really either. And that's one thing that we're not talking about. The Democratic Party is trying to have a big enough tin, and they're trying to massage this thing. And by the way, I want to point something out for people. The Republican Party had to do the exact same thing with a movement of their own. And that was the Tea Party movement. And they had to try and build the ceiling over both of them it's when a party vacillates and i've said this before and i'm going to say it probably on every podcast because it's something we have to remember we always make the mistake of thinking that tomorrow will look like today we always talk about democrats and republicans as if there's always going to be democrats and republicans well guess what there hasn't always been democrats and republicans there is a possibility and and if you had to put your finger on one party that's going to split and turn into other parties it's the democratic party because this is a big big tent with a lot of different beliefs that intersect and move you want to talk about intersectionalism that's what the democratic party is is it's it's the actual political embodiment of that um there's no guarantee that these people are going to stay Democrats. Like, if they can't get a fair shake within the Democratic Party, Bernie Sanders is getting older, and he, you know, probably isn't ever going to run for president again. They'll find other people. When you have a movement like this, younger people get excited about it, and they form political identities, and they start becoming candidates themselves. So this could be the beginning of, like, an actual Democratic Socialist Party. This could be the beginning of, uh, who knows what they would call themselves, right? Like, they, they could turn into something else. But we need to stop thinking about the idea that it's just going to continue on into perpetuity. Because these two parties, the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, are actually really weak. Like, that's the thing we don't talk about. They're, they're, they actually don't have that much control over their supporters. The Republican Party was overtaken by Trumpism. It's just now like a walking dead, right? right? It's like a zombie of a Republican Party that has actually given itself over to Trumpism, which the two really don't have anything to do with each other in terms of ideology, right? The principles of Trumpism are whatever is good for me is good for me and screw you, pal. And the Democratic Party is a coalition of disparate-minded people and, and, and groups that just managed to go into a voting booth and, and maybe pick the D. And that's, that's not always sustainable, and particularly if people don't feel heard. I mean, we could be watching a splintering here that, that could really redefine things for a long, long time. Okay, well, last question about this, I think, um, is, okay, Bernie gets, Bernie gets the nomination. Who's his VP? Biden gets the nomination. Who's his VP? What do you hear? Well, I mean, the Biden uh, Kamala Harris stuff is just reaching a crescendo. You don't, you don't think it's I, Abrams? 
No, I, I, I'll tell you, everything I've heard has been Harris. And, and so here's the thing that's happened just in the, the last few hours. So they're having a rally tonight, um, Biden is. And tonight is a big night. I mean, this is, this is primetime politics on the eve of Super Tuesday. Um, Biden's holding a big rally tonight, and all of the media notices have come out. And basically, if you're a part of the media, you get these notices every now and then that's like, hey, we'll be in Albuquerque, you should be there. The media notices today are like, if you can get on a plane and make this rally, you need to make this rally. So the question... Where is it? uh, Where is it today? I want to say it's in Texas. Dallas. Uh, Yeah, it's in Dallas. So here's the thing. Maybe it's him and Buttigieg and Klobuchar on a stage. Maybe all of a sudden it's like, I just want everyone to know before Super Tuesday who would be my running mate. And, oh, here's Kamala Harris or Stacey Abrams. Here's how this happens. Oh, wow. Bernie... Bernie Sanders is not going to be a predictable candidate in terms of who he chooses. He's going to choose someone who is ideologically, you know, with him. Like, that's the thing. If you got to dance with the one who brought you to the dance, right? And and his has been about being, quote-unquote, ideological, pure, and consistent. He's not going to be like, hey, everybody, welcome out, you know, Democrat X. And and it's going to be someone who follows his line. It doesn't matter what state they're from or, or what their past is. He's going to choose somebody that he feels like is his ideological uh, partner. But, yeah, the, I, I think Biden will probably announce that here before too long because that's that's the antidote to Biden's weakness is you have to know who Biden's going to have with him right. because there are so many questions about it. And that's the key, I think, with Biden is that I feel somewhat uh, confident that – not confident. What's the word I'm looking for? I have some consolation that I know that they're going to put a team around him if he gets to the White House that will really help and support him and keep him you know, from whatever cognitive decline that he's suffering from. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Crazy. I just want to say I have to say this simply because it's in the interest of fairness and openness. A lot of other people were saying that in 2016 with another candidate. They were. There, I'm sure there will be adults in there. Now, by the way, that's not to sit here and say that I think that you know Biden would be a dangerous person like Trump. But we just got to – you know what I mean, though? It, You're right. It's the You're same right. sort of stuff. It, but it, it, I think – Yeah. Same, I think same Biden, sentiment, but like different circumstances. And, you know, we can only hope in the, 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 the sense is that Joe Biden clearly doesn't live, is, isn't a psychopath, basically, uh, or whatever you want to call Trump. Uh, and that's, again, that's why like Bloomberg, you know, in theory would be better than Trump, too. Uh, you know, just anybody who's not completely cognitively, cognitively declined and a psychopath is better. And but. also just naturally an authoritarian and a fascist. Yeah. But I, I personally, like if I was on the Biden campaign right now, I would I would be banging the table for hours screaming, get Elizabeth Warren on the phone. Get her on the phone now. Why can't she and be the vice president? That's what I'm saying. Oh. Is I would I would I would be pushing for that because it's not great that it's Delaware and Massachusetts, but they both I mean, again, a Democrat with the with the way of the Democratic Party behind it um, you know, is going to be competitive. But on top of that, that takes care of the progressive part and the, the center left and the left. Um, that's the only antidote, because I'll tell you what, the progressives, uh, they've got their problems with Kamala Harris. They, they like Stacey Abrams more, but they really have their problems with Kamala Harris. Right. And uh, that's what I would do or the route that I would go. And, and I would just see where it went. But I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how this thing's going to play right. out. The, the irony being that the progressive issue with Kamala Harris is sort of similar to their issue with uh, Bloomberg <laughs> in some weird twisted, twisted way. So, yeah, that's ex- that's exactly right. But I'll tell you, and, and, and just to talk about the thing that we have to, the elephant in the room, um, 
You know, if you're if you're a Democratic nominee right now, why are you not on every channel talking about health care and, and, and the care of people and economic inequality and pointing at the coronavirus? And on top of that, saying you have a person who's incapable of handling this thing. You need people in there who can handle this. And the fact that it's not uh, you should be, you shouldn't be able to walk down the hallway without finding Democratic literature about this stuff. And, and, and that's everybody should be hitting this right now. You know, in Korea, South Korea, they have these drive ins where you can get tested for coronavirus. And I think it's free. And 10 minutes later, they tell you if you're positive or negative. You know how much it costs here to do the test? I want to say I saw like three thousand. Yeah, I'm seeing reports of that. I'm, I don't know if it's across the board. Everyone has to pay something like that. But you know that wherever that exists, and let's just say it's three hundred dollars, uh, people are not going to get tested simply because of that. It's outrageous and insane, and there's not going to be a, 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 a vaccine for this for a year. So it's not like we're suddenly going to like rush in here and be able to spray, you know, like a movie and solve everyone's problems. Um, Again, it all goes back to how these guys are campaigning. There's, there, there is lip service to criticizing Trump for sure, but it doesn't feel like they're hitting the right notes. And you can only hope that that's what's going to happen as this gets consolidated more. They're going to be able to figure that out. And there's no question with our response to coronavirus, the buck stops all the way at Trump. The way they've handled this has been kind of frightening um, from people. Kind of. Kind, kind of, of frightening. You know, to send people to welcome. First of all, to have them on the same plane and then to, uh, to tell, send people to welcome them as they get there uh, that are not doing the proper precautions. We've now seen. Uh, in fact, there's, there's, there's reporting now today. Uh, what are the, what's the number of deaths up to now in the United, in the United States? Uh, it's, it's, it's rising. I'll just say that. It's rising. Yeah. It's, you know. <laughs> and meanwhile, we have President Trump who's on doing these press conferences. And he's he's literally saying it's going to be magic. It's just going to disappear. We got we, in in the course of one you know, it's three minutes of speaking. He went from like fifteen patients to none, as if they and, were in and, that moment. And then you've gone. got then you've got members of the administration who were out there lying, saying it was completely contained. There was no way it was going to spread. Trump out there saying that the numbers are going to stay. They're not going to get better. No one's going to die from this thing. Real fast. And and I I, I want to put this out there about Trump. Trump has made a lot of things crystal clear. One is that rich and powerful people aren't necessarily competent, nor did they earn their power or their wealth. Uh, that, that, was a, that was a big favor. That was a big favor to the American people, showing them that. But it's also this other thing, which is the presidency is really hard. It's a really tough job. And trying to organize this stuff is really, really hard. Quick question, Nick. Yeah. Does the economy trust that Donald Trump can handle this epidemic? I don't think it, there's any kind of uh, gray area on this answer. Because it doesn't. <laughs> because the economy and, – and listen, yes, there's been disruptions in terms of like logistics and stuff. But you know what? The economy and stock markets and all of that, they're about confidence. That's all it is. It's about state of mind, how you feel about the moment. They do not trust him to run this thing. So that's number one. Number two. Well, by the way, anyway, pe- it's worth saying right now the Dow is up 1,200 points today. But uh, that's going to have to change again once these deaths start getting reported and take hold because there's oh. no question they're going to freak out about that. It's like a literal EKG is what it is when you look at the yeah. stock market. Okay, two, do the American people trust that Donald Trump can handle this epidemic? No. I haven't seen no, they polls don't. I'm assuming that no. It's got to be resounding no. Uh, look around you. It's, it's this thing where – People are freaking out. And do not get me wrong, this is a frightening thing. The idea of a new virus that can take off and it, and it can cause untold damage and we don't have our hands wrapped around this thing yet. But watch the way people are dealing with this. And, and, and epidemics are really frightening. Pandemics are really frightening. But you know what adds to the fear? 
when you don't trust that somebody right. is at the wheel and the panic that's occurring right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing this on, on Monday, March 2nd. Um, I have a conference to go to in a couple of days. It's probably going to get canceled. Mm-hmm. And tons of these things are getting canceled i mean the 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 uh transportation industry the tourism industry in this country um all of it is uh, it's going to be bad right you know what right. i mean we talked like, about this before supply lines in china are already completely broken have been severed for a couple of weeks uh and then you know people reporting from you know uh chinese uh public transportation you know the the uh subways there and they're like ghost towns when normally you, you can't even get into these the cars are so crowded have you noticed, Nick, and, and, and just oblige me for a moment, have you noticed that it's really weird how these people who either get elected or appointed as strongman figures in these countries, like, I don't know, America and China, it turns out, like, when the rubber really hits the road, they're not very good at things. Right. And it's almost like authoritarianism is a side effect of insecurity of being incompetent. And it just so happens that you make people tell you how great you are by threatening their lives and taking away civil liberties. It's so weird that these things weren't just taken care of. Isn't it? Yeah. That's just odd. Yeah. And, and you have to imagine now they'll, they'll be able to cut a lot of these uh, commercials where they have Trump saying, ah, it's nothing. It'll be gone, yeah, whatever. Uh, and then, boom, cut, slam cut to the death toll is now at six, which is what, it, what the Washington Report, Post is reporting right now uh, in the U.S. And that will continue. I mean, there's no question it'll go up. Now, the only question here is will the percentage uh, go down as more cases are reported properly? That's possible. But even if it goes down from 2% to 1%, it's 10 times higher than the normal flu for instance, which, by the way, Trump also tried to uh, deny. Uh, and that's as bad. That's probably worse than climate denial uh, is when you're trying to say that, like, you know, what we already have is hard and fast numbers for the flu uh, and what people, how many people die for that per year. It, you can't. That's just math. It's the same math, you know, like the, the, the trickle-down economics works. Like, it, the math is... It doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> the guy that invented it, like, did a whole op-ed saying it doesn't work. Like, it doesn't, I- you know... And, and I'm glad you brought that up because that is a large conversation that we need to have, if not today, later, which is this. This economic environment that we're in is totally conducive to helping an epidemic because people aren't getting health care. They're not getting preventative treatment. They delay going to the doctor because they can't afford it. They delay going to get tests because they can't afford it. And you know what? People go to work sick. They go to, they go to school sick. They go to public places sick because they can't help it. They have to. They're so insecure in their employment and all that. So it's a breeding ground for all that stuff. But I want to throw this out there, and I want people to hear it. And I tweeted about this, but it's really, really important. As this thing gets worse, and do not get me wrong, it's going to get worse because, you know, that, that's what this is. It's a highly contagious thing. We're going to have cases. We're going to have people. People are going to die. It's going to get worse. And it's going to get worse especially because Donald Trump is incompetent and his team is just trying to turn this into um, a political salvation is what they're trying to do. Because it's out of control already. They did not get out ahead of this thing. They already fumbled the football, however you want to call it. I want to, I want to put this in people's ears so they hear it and they're ready for it. As this thing gets worse, if it gets really bad, and I'm talking like pandemic real bad, here's what's going to happen. And this is simply because I've read enough about authoritarians and I've seen what they do. They're going to blame it on everybody else. They're going to scapegoat immigrants. They're going to scapegoat Democrats. Uh, liberals. The liberals. They're going to scapegoat um, people of color. And they're going to talk about conspiracy theories that this is an engineered virus from China, which yeah. they've already started. He called it a hoax as, already. 
But as this thing gets out of control, and it probably will because they're incompetent, you're going to see the authoritarian playbook come out. And you need to be ready for it because when it happens, you're gonna, don't be shocked. All right? You need to be prepared for it so you can call it out and call it what it is. Absolutely. I mean, the, the playbook's already been taken out. We've already, they're, they're right. playing it already. That's the thing. But there's no question that they'll be able to institute a lot of other kind of um, draconian measures as well that would take away civil liberties to, in, in the, an effort to combat this, which in other situations might not be the worst idea, but this serves to continue to control and beat down uh, you know, what we're trying to do. And then also to be subservient to a president. Well, in, the, in these times of war or a, a pandemics, we have to support the president. We have to believe that, you know, those things. Those are powerful uh, moments in U.S. history that have always galvanized people behind the president. And that's where it gets scary, too, when you have a guy like Trump. Well, what's scary is when you have a guy like Trump who views the entire world as opportunities. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like everything has to. And, and that is what Trump is. I mean, every time that Trump ever went through bankruptcy, every time that he ever went through like a scandal, he always looked at it and he thought, well, what's the angle on this where I can gain an advantage and gain money? And that's that mindset is what leads to all this stuff. And you're exactly right. So you have a pandemic that is threatening a bunch of lives and you look at it and you're like, yeah, this is a problem, but how can I also make it to my advantage? And when you have that mindset working throughout all of this, it leads to ugly places. And we don't like talking about this either. There's a thin veneer between society and controlled society, society under siege that disappears in times of things like pandemics. That, that, I mean, it, quarantine is a, it's a restriction of civil liberties. That's what it is, right? A forced quarantine. Um, this type of stuff can get out of hand really quickly, and nobody should trust this guy. Nobody should, nobody should expect this guy to take care of it. Nobody should expect him to handle it with a plum or uh, dignity at all. Right. And our only hope is that, you know, it, listen, I don't hope this on anybody. It's the worst thing. I don't hope a recession on anybody because those are all terrible things that really hurt people. But those two things are what's going to make sure he doesn't win again in November. And so in some weird, twisted, horrible way, you know, th that's the path that someone, uh, in, you know, who's in control of our reality in this matrix, uh, you know, that's the path we're going to have to be on to get rid of him only because I still don't feel good about any of these guys uh, beating Trump ultimately if they get the nomination, be it Bernie or Biden. And that was your positive 20 seconds of the Muckrake Political <laughs> Podcast, courtesy of my co-host Nick. I, I have to say, I, I, and I think this is one of those things that, that needs to be dispelled. Um, I, don't, I don't want a bunch of people to die. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, man, I would love it if he could really – I watched that, um, that last press conference where, uh, man, he looked bad. I just got to throw that out there real fast. For anyone who hasn't seen it, Who's go he? and look. I mean – Donald Trump. Oh, okay, yeah. He looks bad. And I love one of the things that really inspires faith from uh, a populace in the stock market is when a president's administration tells everyone that he hasn't slept in days and it's, you know, <laughs> proof that he has great endurance. And it's like he needs to get sleep. But so I watched that and, you know, I was watching it and I was remembered because so much of this goes through the lens of zero sum politics. Like I win, you lose, you lose, I win. And I was like, Man, I wish he was really I, – I, I kept waiting to have hope. You know what I mean? I was like, please, show me that you can take care of this. I don't care. Like, just just show me that you can take care of this one thing, and we'll deal with politics afterwards. And they're out there, and they're like, Democrats are hoping that people – nobody wants people to die. 
right? right? Nobody wants a society that's coming apart at the seams. And and like if this guy could handle this and we could get back to politics as usual, let's do it. Yeah. But it's it's so dumb and it, and it, it really is indicative of like how bad things have gotten. Yeah, I don't I just don't want the president to argue with a doctor about what the mortality <sighs> rate is of the regular flu. Like that's that's just the t- they're the ones who are doing the politics with this stuff. And again, when you have a dictator or a president who simply cannot acknowledge anything wrong ever with anything, uh, you're going to get this is what you get. You're going to get some really bad situations, especially with when you're talking about the, the, a pandemic like this, because he'll 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 it'll be almost impossible for him to acknowledge that. Yes, there is this is a spread. We have to be very concerned. You have to stay in your houses. whatever they're going to do. He won't be able to say that. And now it's too late. He might try and backtrack at this point, but he's just looked like even more of a fool. And that might even make him double down. It's scary. Yeah. And let's talk about where where this all goes. So one of the things that's already happened, him saying it was a hoax, right? I mean, it, it gave flight to a lot of the conspiracy theorists around him, a lot of the people who share memes that, you know, and automatically it was like either this virus isn't real or something else is happening, right? So I was raised up in this environment. So let me tell you where this is going to go. As more people die, it's going to come out that Democrats might have been involved in a New World Order deep state conspiracy to create a biological weapon that's going to take people out. And it's this and it's that. And I don't listen to Alex Jones anymore, but I guarantee that's what he talked about today. I, you know, and, and, and people can email me or let me know. I guarantee that's what he talked about today because it's all about lowering populations and turning people gay so they won't reproduce or whatever. That's that's their M.O. That's what they do. But that that stuff and it's laughable but in times where society starts to shred a little bit and pandemics are where that's happened where the tension goes up and elections are happening that's when people die that's when people pick up their guns or you know pick up bombs make bombs and then they go out and they kill people because they think they're in a life or death alternate reality where they're fighting a new world order deep state conspiracy so like there's a lot of stuff that's coming down the pike that's really, really dangerous without all of this. I'm sorry, Jared. I'm going to have to go because I have to go to um, buy my two weeks worth of um, rations. rations in case anything happens. So, um, you know, that, that's what we're doing. And, and that's a serious thing. We are. We're, we're now going to start storing up on all the dry goods and all things we need just in case because, you know, luckily it hasn't really hit L.A., but um, it's certainly hit California and it's, and it's on the West Coast. Yeah, and who knows where this thing goes? I mean, I, I mean, you know, I keep hearing different things. I talk to a lot of doctors, and a lot of them are like, you know, this is going to be really bad for, like, elderly people and children and people with compromised oh. immune systems. And it seems like this thing is spreading really quickly and really efficiently, but it's also sort of like a flimsy virus, and it can be taken care of by these means. But this is a time, and, and that's the other thing they keep telling me, which is, if we just talked about what it was, if we just got the facts, if the president, he got up on there in the press conference. This is the thing that's crazy. It's the small things. He was asked if Americans should change anything that they do. And he said no. Right. And, 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 and it's as simple as washing your hands and avoiding a lot of contact and reusing or touching surfaces where people have like sneezed or coughed or, you know, saliva, whatever. And he said No. Like, this is the kind of stuff that we could take care of if we had a reality where facts mattered, but they don't for political reasons. They've been weaponized, and, and that's why this is so dangerous. It's, an, it's a pandemic that doesn't need to happen, and it's a pandemic that's going to get worse simply because facts and, 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 and ideas have been weaponized. Right. The weird thing about this one is because it's not completely so lethal, and I don't know if it's really affecting kids. It just seems to me like the uh, you know elderly and people who already kind of have issues— 
But um, because it doesn't like spread wildfire and kill everybody like like Ebola, uh, it, it stays around a lot longer. Like Ebola burns out because people just die and they can't spread it fast enough because they're dying so quickly. So this is what's interesting about this one is that because it's not the case, it will stay around a lot longer. People are going to get a lot more infected. It will go across the, you know, the world a lot, a lot more. And the only question now is what are the real numbers? Are, is it 2%? Is it 1%? Um, we don't know like, who has it and who doesn't. Uh, we don't, we don't know thing. how many Americans have it. We have no idea how many Americans have it simply because this administration bungled everything. Yeah. And we're we, I mean, we we have no idea how extensive the, the infection is here in this country. And you're exactly right. If we knew it and we could wrap our heads around it, that's one thing. But instead, it's just a, this is what happens when you get a pandemic under Donald Trump. You literally have no idea the scope of it. And so everybody's paranoia and anxiety gets amped up. This is why you need actual leaders. This right. is why you need somebody that you can trust. This is why it matters whether or not a president has actual trust. And he doesn't. He just doesn't. So that that's as good of a place as any to end. Uh, we're going to wrap this thing up because tomorrow, Super Tuesday, Ooh. if we still have elections, who knows? The entire world maybe is in trouble. I, I, I don't know. Um, we're going to have uh, Super Tuesday special coverage tomorrow, uh, probably late. So it'll be probably coming out on Wednesday. A lot of things are happening. This race is getting really, really interesting and really chaotic. So please be sure and uh, check that out probably on Wednesday morning. Um, in the meantime, thank you as always for all the support. We enjoy it and we really, really appreciate it. Please like, subscribe, leave a comment. Those things actually help us. They help build momentum and audiences and, and, and it all pays off. Um, we appreciate that as well. Share us on social media. Tell people what we're doing. You can find me on Twitter at JY Sexton. You can find Nick at Can You Hear Me SMH. Be sure to check out themuckrake.com. Uh, yeah, please, everybody, wash your hands and stay safe out there. Mm-hmm.